this morning's message, Victory Parade, Victory Parade, Triumphal Dress, Triumphal Dress. Uh, we're talking this morning, coming from the book of Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, 1st of the 15th verse, in the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter, 1st of the 15th verse. And uh, it reads... <clears throat> Awake, awake, put on thine strength, O Zion. Put on thine beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall be no more come into thee, the uncircumcised and the unclean. And the reading scripture from the 12th verse of the 22nd chapter, Matthew said, and he said, Friend, how did you come in here without wearing the wedding clothes that were provided for you? And the man was speechless and without excuse. We're talking here two different stories, but try to parallel them from one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, for we can get a more example from the Old Testament of what was prescribed, the living spiritual effect of what has transpired in the New Testament, because the Old Testament was a shadow of things to come in. The book of Isaiah starting around the 40th chapter, and it, it's kind of a conclusion. It's prophetical ideas in which the prophet is talking to the people. And you have to have a grasp of what's in the book of Isaiah to understand what the prophet is talking about in this 52nd verse chapter. Because it's victory. They're no longer in captivity this is an end time version. It's, it's the church. We know that it's not Jerusalem or Israel of old because the uncircumcised and the unclean did come back into Jerusalem. It wasn't a purge that was a permanent purge. But this victory, this triumphal walk we see is one of a finished people one in which they're walking in victory and have triumphant clothing just as when you win the Super Bowl or the NBA championship or the Baseball World Series, after the victory and everything, or after that hard-fought season or whatever, then they give a parade afterwards. Everybody comes for the triumphal parade. So it was in old days, after they victoriously captured their enemy and defeated them in battle or whatever, the king would come back in a triumphal parade in glorious attire and whether they had trampled or in, uh, de de defeated the enemy underfoot or whatever. But that was a gl glorious time and you remember the battle but the battle is behind you. It's no more mourning. It's no more sadness. That's why he says, awake, awake. This is a commandment to be alert, to be conscious, to be full of zeal, to realize what had happened and what has transpired. It says, put on thine strength, and we know the Lord is our strength. He's our covering. That's our strength. He says, put on festival festive garments, garments of beauty. This was the priest. The Old Testament portrays Aaron putting on the priest robe of the high priest robe. They were holy garments that was placed upon him. 
So when he tells us to put on Christ, to put on Jesus, to be dressed, we know as his bride, we have to get ready for the wedding of the Lamb, for the wedding of the bride, for the church to be wed. We the bride of Christ, and we have to put him on. But if you're not going to church, if you're not attending and studying and know what all it entails, before you put on all that stuff, you have to put on off something. Yes, yes. We read about in the Old Testament where the priests had to wash, they had to be cleansed before you put on those holy garments. We know at this day and time or whatever, just as the priests have to wash, we have to wash. This was a figurative washing in the New Testament. The Old Testament was literal. But we see a figurative washing. In other words, we're washed by the word. We're cleansed by the word. He says he's going to sprinkle clean water. He's going to sprinkle all the nations. So there is, in effect, an agent, an instrument whereby he prepares for this festive occasion. So... He's calling for a celebration here. The fight is over with. The battle is over with. As on the cross, he had came. He won the victory as king of kings and lords of lords. He said, it is finished. Now, all we have to do is walk therein. We have to walk in that victory. And we know that there be many called, uh, invited to partake of Christ, invited to the table of Christ, invited into the church of Christ. As we read in the 52nd chapter, in the 7th through the 8th verse, it says, How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith undesigned, Thy God reigneth, thy watchmen shall lift up the voices, which the voices together shall sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring Zion. Again, So he's talking about a victory here. He's talking about a triumphant church. And he calls, the gospel goes out. As you read in the 61st chapter there where it says the Lord had anointed me to preach the gospel. God had called us and, and we, through preaching of God's word, going out, he says, making disciples of all nations. As that word goes out, it's a call. It's a call and the people come into the church. There are plenty of people into the church nowadays. They're, the church is full. We have mega churches and all of these. But along with that call of coming into the church, you have those that are uncircumcised, those that are unclean. You have the rebellious. You have those as he's planted his wheat and planted his garden, someone, Satan's will come in and sow tares along with that. He allows the wheat and the tear to grow together. And he'll say, he says, angels will separate them when he comes. And so that's why we get the second portion of where our scripture comes from. And it's the book of Matthew, the 22nd chapter. And Jesus answered and spake unto them, this parable and said the kingdom of heaven is like unto a, a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bitten to the wedding and they would not come and again he sent forth other servants saying 
Tell them which are bitten, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings, and all that are ready come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to the farm, another to the merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and and treated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he went, sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their cities. Then said he to the servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both good and bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou hither not having a wedding garment on? And he was speechless. This man didn't have the garment that was provided for him. This man had the wrong covering. Not that he was naked or anything, and it's a picture of the world today. It's a picture of the church today. It's a picture of us today. God has commanded us to put on the beautiful garments. Put on thy strength. That's cold language. And a lot of us don't understand cold. We understand soap operas. We understand sitcoms. We understand TV and all of the things in the world and the material things of the world. And we have put that on. That, that's all we delve in. But the word of God, instead of seek ye the kingdom of God, whereas God says, put on Christ. See, Christ came down here and he walked the dusty trails of man. And he did a job. He did a job and he gave this to us. He gave us the victory. And a lot of us are rejecting that victory. We know of him, but we go our way. We go our merry way. We have other things to do instead of coming in feasting on the word of God. Instead of coming in feasting on the word of God, we go about our merry, merry ways. But there are those that do come into the house of God. Remember I told you the weed and the tear. There are the tear. I don't know what motives drives them in. Because they... I like Ezekiel say they love hearing good preaching. They love hearing good teaching, but they don't love the truth. They don't love God. It's not a conversion. They're in the church as an insurance policy. If you get around them, they're never talking about Jesus. They're never trying to win someone to Jesus. Jesus is not in their every thought. God is not in their every thought. If you go to their homes, on their jobs, or wherever they may be, you may not ever catch them reading a Bible. You may not ever catch them listening at a sermon. You may not ever catch the word of God around them, but you will catch the world coming in. They will pursue the things of the world. See, but we forget that this indicative here, he says, put on thy strength. In other words, Christ, you need to put Christ on. But before you can put Christ on, you have to pull the world off. You have to pull some of these things off. So that requires you doing something. Something This is not God doing something because he imputed his righteousness unto us 
And we're to take that righteousness, that seed, those talents that he give us and make sure it's sown on good ground. We're to come into the house of God. We're to seek him on our knees, praying and humbling ourselves and continually hearing the word of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Well, you're not hearing the word of God consistently. That's why you can't forsake the assembling together of yourself. That's why those that grow in the Lord are those that consistently hear his word being preached. It falls on the soil of our hearts. It causes us to dig up our fallow grounds. That's if we are hearers of God's word. Now, like I said, some of the people rejected it. It didn't come to this king's feast. The feast was prepared. The wedding is, is prepared. The church is ready. God has prepared all of this. And he had invited everyone to come. But there are many that come into the church, reject the word of God, reject what Christ has said do. They incline more or less to do it their way. They got suits. They got clothing and attire that looks so good. It's so worldly though. They're dressed in their own robes. It's kind of like the fig leaves that Adam and Eve had, not knowing what fig leaves sooner or later the leaves was going to dry up. Can you imagine leaves for clothing that the leaves was going to dry up as in wintertime when the sun hits and the wintertime comes and the sap's not going into the trees? The leaves fall off the tree and dry up and crumble and you break them up and you burn them or whatever. God provided coats of skin. He covered man. He gave man a covering. And he's always been our provider. We can't make our own covering. He says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Those clothes, that religion you have, don't nobody care what you think and what your opinion is. It's the word of God that matters. And he says, do it this way. But this guy came in here. He came into the wedding dressed in his own garments. During those days when kings had feasts and when they had gatherings and everything, everybody couldn't afford robes and attire and everything. People were very poor and had poverty just like it is today. Some people can't afford what others afford. And the king wanted unity in his feast. God wants unity in his church. He wants the love of God to clothe all of us, the love for one another. In other words, as a family, knowing that we are all equal in the sight of God. But see, some could afford fancy apparel and attire, and that's what we see in the church. Those that have the vehicles, the clothing, the material things, the mammoth, those are the ones we worship and that we follow instead of following the word of God, the things of God. So that's what's been happening in the church. We've devised that our concept of God follows the concept of man and what man thinks God should be. You know, when Jesus came, he asked about John the Baptist and he said about those with fine linen being in castles and in different places of, of worship. But he talked about John the Baptist because John the Baptist was robed with a linen cloth. He had camels high. He had vestals around him and he didn't look, he didn't fit the part of what the people wanted, but 
he were clothed in the righteousness of God. See, that's what we have to be clothed in the righteousness of God. It's by faith. You see, but man goes by sight. He's spiritually blind. He's been blinded by the things of this world. If you give them game shows, you give them lotteries, and you put in their mind, get rich, uh, get rich, dying, try dying for the material things in this world. They'll work two or three jobs. They'll go out of their way to anything that breeds covetousness into them. But did you know God provides and gives you all you need and all you want? And if you have need of anything, Jesus said, all you have to do is ask the Father in my name and he'll provide it for you. You know, so man has always had their concept of God but God sent his son to show them the living true and true God to show them the way. And he says, I am the way. I am the truth. In other words, you have to go this way and this way only. You have to put on Christ. You have to deny yourself. So that's the indicative in that sentence when it says, put on thy strength, awake. Be conscious of what's around you, of the people and the things going on around you. Put on that strength, and Christ is our strength. Those of us that have been converted, those of us that the Spirit of God has come into our hearts and awakened us and are regenerating us, we've started to put on Christ. Yes. We've gotten dressed in Him. So that's as the general calling, there be many a call. There'll be many of people called, and there's many of people in the church. But into this festival, our second point comes where the ceremonially clean are, where those that are just, in other words, the Pharisees, everybody's in the church, everybody thinks what's going on is right, so the king comes into the midst of that affair. The king was intermingling there. It says, when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment, and he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having on a wedding garment? And he was speechless. You know, God's going to leave a lot of us speechless when he comes because all of us are going to have to stand before the throne of God. You know, don't be a layer to sin in that day. If you are allowed to sin in that day, you think paying tithes, you think going to church, you think works and feeding the needy. They say, Lord, didn't we feed the needy? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we do all this in your name? But you didn't have a relationship with God. You, you didn't fellowship with him. During the day, you wasn't talking to him all the time. Do you know Jesus on a personal basis? Do, is that who you're talking to all during the day? Is that what the meditations in your heart in mind is? That's what you're supposed to be doing, meditating on his word day and night. Meditating on his word day and night. You know, I, when I was young, I used to watch... Uh, TV with my mother sometime. I'd be around the house or whatever, and she'd be watching the soap operas or whatever. Jill and Jack and Miss Chancellor and all those. A lot of them then passed off the scenes. Victor's still around. Victor Newman is still around or whatever. But you know what, what I've noticed? That can't get us anywhere. 
knowing those things won't get us anywhere. The match game, and they, they got a new match game out, and Price is right. They got Drew Carey or somebody on there now instead of Bob Barker or whatever. But none of those things were profitable. And that's when I was younger and I came back and I found the Lord. I went through a whole lot of things. And let me say God had found me. And I came back and told my mother about it. I've been telling my brothers and sisters about this Savior just like Andrew when he found the Lord. He came back and told his brother Philip. That's what he told Peter. He says, when thou come around because Satan has a desire to sift you as wheat. But when you come around, strengthen your brother. You see, you get them to understand that all of these things, that we're going to have to give up those things. They're going to have to take second place in our lives. There's something greater. There's a greater in our lives. That's what Andrew told Peter. That's what Bartholomew and they say. We've found the Messiah. We'll find something greater. Now, when I get time, I might watch a little TV. When I get time, I might get a little entertainment. Sometime every once in a while, I might watch a football game for a few minutes. But that's not where my heart is. I don't care what Dallas do. I, I hate the Cowboys. I want the Cowboys to lose. And I used to be a diehard Cowboy fan when I was young. Tyrone and all of them was a Rams fan, but I was a Cowboy fan. And I would, boy, I would cry if the Cowboys lose. Boy, look at here. But I don't care about the Cowboys anymore. That's four hours of my life that it could come and go. I watch a game, I could get up in the middle of the fourth quarter and leave. I hadn't watched some of the sports players play because that's on the back shelf. That's entertainment. I, I, you know, sometimes I could sit down there and listen at some of the reruns or listen at what's on television, and I know about all that exists, but that's there as entertainment, a pastime, because I have something on a greater plate here. I have to study the Word of God. The preparation comes from that once God calls me, once that king called those people and told them he had a wedding feast, they had to prepare. Now, he's given them the garment to wear. Oh, yes. It's just like when your wife's getting married or when your son's getting Even though you know that wedding is coming, that wife is preparing, that bride is preparing. We need to be preparing ourselves because the king is coming. We have a wedding coming and we have to pull off the armor. And the only way that that's pulled off is by hearing the word of God. We have to start putting on the strength, and the strength is in the Word. How much of the Word of God has been planted in your hearts and mind? Because the job that He's given me, the job that He's given the teachers, the job that He has given the church, the ministers and the elders of the church, is to have the church without a spot or a wrinkle. And the only way that's going to come is through the preaching of the Word of God. So when I see somebody, uh, it's okay, but you know what? Here comes my brother. Here comes the pastor. Here he comes or whatever. Here comes that holy road. And the first thing he's going to ask me, have you been praying? Are you praying for me? Because if you don't have clean hands, if you're in a position of seeking the Lord, you really can't pray for me. All that old physical love, I know you love me with a phileo love, with a love 
of the world, a hero's love, but it's not a agape love. It's not the love of God because we all go perish and die. I can understand us getting old and dying, but I'm talking about living forever. Do you have a prayer that's going to hold me and give me eternal life? Do you have words of God for me that's going to strengthen me and go feed my eternal soul? He says, my words are spirit. They are life. Do you have a relationship with God? He says, no more of the uncircumcised and the uncleans will come unto you. In other words, he's in the process of purging the church. He's in the process of purging the false prophets. He's cleansing his church. In our preparatory thing, though, that cleanses the ones around us. How many people actually come to your home? See, because if you don't have very many people at your home and then you start thinking why they don't come. You see, because if a lot of people coming in or whatever and they have all sorts, it may be you're not as holy as you think you are. You know, because a lot of times you ever be around your relatives of different people and they kind of like walking on eggshells or whatever because... They know you're going to go to some religious thing. You're looking at this through a spiritual insight. Well, that's good. That's a good barometer. A barometer is something that measures the chromatical. I hope I can get this right. When my son, I called him the other day, and the guy that clips the grass or whatever accidentally clipped the wiring there, but when I came in, I went to the thermostat and I was looking at the thermostat and it was saying temperature high and it was doing a whole lot of crazy stuff, but it wouldn't come on. The air conditioning wouldn't. You said you heard something humming or whatever, but when I came in and all this going on, I immediately called him because I was above what I was above my pay grade. I say, son, can you come fix the air conditioning? Can you come fix it for me? And I told him what I've seen that may have happened. Have you told God what, what's happening in your life and what's going on in your life? Because he may can help you get the cobwebs out. He may can help you clean up your life and prepare, prepare for the wedding. We, we might have to pull things off. You were telling me something this morning about a conversation and what was going on. And what I drew from that, that that wasn't the best. Didn't seem like y'all was on agreements or y'all was on the same page about something. And see, it's a lot that you can surmise just from hearing things. I had to clear something up in my family this week. And like I say, people want to do things out of love, my niece and my nephew was doing some things but I had to call both of them and talk to them because I'm not asking you to do something out of love or whatever. We're talking about a preparation here and this is your job. This is what's being paid to do. Can you accept the job? Can you do what I'm calling you to do? I ask you to do. So don't try to say you're trying to help me or do good. That's, that's not good enough. God's not asking you those things. He's giving you a charge. He told Timothy, I'm giving you a charge, Timothy. As Christians, we are given a charge by God, and it's to live a certain way, and it's to die to self and pull off self, pull off the old man. You see, that's the thing. People come in the church, and they want to form and shape God in their image, and 
in their image and their likeness so they go to live the way they want to live and not change without any repentance, without any washing, and they want to just come as they are. God doesn't accept you that way. God's going to circumcise your heart. God's going to change you. You're going to be a new man. You're going to have to pull off the uncorruptible. You're going to have to pull off the clean. You're going to have to despise who you are. You're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross. Your cross is all that stuff that's weighting you down, the burdens and the things of life. And that's why it says take up your cross and deny yourself and follow after me. That's some suffering on that road. Just as Jesus suffered in her end, we will suffer in her end. See, a lot of people see a baby when he's all nice and clean and powdery and all, all smelly and everything and love a baby and goochie goochie, but they don't see that baby at his worst time. They don't see him when that diaper needs changing. They don't see all the work that goes in in the preparing of the baby. Just like in this wedding supper, when Christ tells us to put on these garments, it's a lot that we go through. But you know, I'm thinking about the men and not the women here. And there's not a lot of men in the church because as being men in the church, at it, it, some time it calls for making the hard calls. It calls for being able to stand up and walk that road alone. It calls for people being mad at you when they came to Christ and he was preaching the word of God. And that's what I say. We got to preach the word in season and out of season when they want to hear it and when they don't want to hear it. That's how they become clean because that's what inspects the people. So when the king came to this guy, just like they didn't want it. They say, this is a hard saying. You say, who can, who can hear it? He asked his disciples, was they going to go to, to, through, go also? He said, that's a hard saying. So what this king had sent his people to do, this guy probably said, man, these are nice clothes I have, but this is a nice car. What I have is nice. That's what the lay of the sins was. They thought that they were rich and had need of nothing, but Christ says they were poor, wretched, and naked. This king came in. Now, the other guests might have not seen that this guy was out of out of uniform. His, he was a false prophet. He was a false individual in the church. That's why it says, let the wheat and tear together, tares grow up together, because not knowing what you're doing, you might uproot the wheat also. See, but in the end time, when he sent his angels, the messengers of God, when they're preaching the gospel, you'll be surprised at the ones that stop coming to church. You'll be surprised at the ones that go the other way. You'll be surprised at the one God purges out of there. That's what preaching does. That's why we have to preach the, the word. We have to preach the word because that's what's going to draw God's sheep, the true sheep. He's going to feed in the flock. See, but the rest of the people may not have known that this guy didn't have on the right wedding garment. They were physical just like he was physical. But this king saw this. And he says, how did you get in here? How did you pass through all of this? How do a lot of us get into the church? By deception. By wearing sheep's clothing. You might have covered yourself 
but it wasn't a sufficient covering that God had given you. It was your religion. And you say all roads lead to God. My religion is fine and my belief just since we get to God, but I don't think so. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, I'm the only way. But you came the broad way. Now that the king comes in, he had told you to pursue holiness and seek after God, but you were busy building bigger bonds and everything. And the king says, how did you get in here? See, he was speechless. He couldn't answer God. It's a lot of us not going to be able to answer God on that day when he says, why weren't you dressed in the right thing? Why didn't you pull these things off? You could be on a bed of affliction or whatever. You, you could not be able to walk, not be able to see. Those aren't excuses because they have it on tape. Now, they have the Bible on tape. They have the Word of God on tape. Every In your house or whatever, you can listen to the Word of God on television or on all kinds of... They hear the preaching of God's Word. You can pray you know, you, you don't have Johnny Erickson taught her. She was in a wheelchair. She was a paraplegic. But you remember I said, Sister Harris, I said, well, your job would be for praying for me, praying for the church, praying for Anna was a lady in her hundreds probably, but she was at the church. Her job was praying. Are you in a condition to where you praying for people and praying for the church all the time? I've asked a whole lot of us to pray for the church. That's your only job. You don't have to be able to walk. You don't have to be able to move to pray. God doesn't give you a specific position to be in to pray. He says pray all the time. In prayer and something. How about meditating on his word? He says study to show thyself approved. Yes. You see because all these things helps prepare you to put on your beautiful garments. To put on those robes you have to pull off all that defiles. Now, what defiles you is pride, rejection of God's word. The spiritual things is what defiles. It's not what comes out of a man that defiles a man. I mean, it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. It's what's in his heart, that which comes from the heart. Do you have bitterness within you? People can see bitterness. Do you have a joy that the world can't take away? Because that light's supposed to be so shining that people want that what you have. They want that joy. They want that peace that you have. The fruit of the Spirit, if you're working in God's Word, if you're working in His vineyard, all of these fruits are going to be manifest in you. But if you're sitting there just as mean and bitter as a rattlesnake, Never have anything good. To, what are you sowing? What He says, grow not weary of well-doing. Are you going around sowing good things? Because if you backbiting, murmuring, and complaining, and with sourness, that's what's going to come back to you. What a man soweth, that he shall reap. So all of these things, the word of God, helps you to pull off because what that preacher is doing or what that teacher is doing 
And I told you, teaching is different from preaching. And that's why I'm trying to preach on this today because I've taught on it for two or three weeks, putting on these beautiful garments. You know, a lot of people want to dress on game day. They want to dress in those nice uniforms. Just like that priest, he's dressed in that robe with the linen ephod and with all of the breastplate of righteousness, all of these things he's dressed up. But didn't he have to clean up before he dressed up? See, during the week, did you come to practice? Did you come to the scrimmages? Do you know all of the plays? Do you know what's going on? A lot of people come into the church. You want to just come in on Christmas or Easter, or you want to say you know Jesus. But your words betray you. Your actions betray you whether you love the Lord or not. It betrays you. And that's what's happening here. It betrayed him what he had on because it was something the king can see. And if we're spiritual, we ought to be able to see this in one another. He gives you a certain discernment. Are you beginning to see God? See, because you start to be able to see God in others. But as you can see God in others, you can also see others that are not of God. You can also see others that are harmful. Uh, you, you quickly left that conversation alone and got on out of the house because you seen y'all wasn't on the same page. I know how this is going. It was a conversation you, we thought, you thought you could get in and you could end up on the same page, but it's a different concept. That's why, you know, I, I get away from, I, I'm not at home a lot and not around because my wife watches those things too, those Hallmark shows and all of those things on those things that show all this stuff, love at first sight and bite of, of the mysteries of uh, Aurora Tea Garden and all that foolishness or whatever. But they show a false reality. That's not real. That's a false world. That's, and that's why you're not going to be on agreement. And that's why God is preparing for us where we would be at home, where we would feel pleasure, where we can feel pleasure. The things that really make us happy because in this life, a lot of God's children truly hadn't found happiness. But they're pulling off of the world. But they're living as peaceable as possible with those around us because we have to learn, as he said, dwell as peaceable as possible with others. So it might not be in your mind. It's in the back of their mind and your mind or whatever. We're just doing this. But sometimes we have to forbear. And I'm going through a lot of long suffering forbearing through this. But my joy, God is about to send my joy. God is about, and that's why I'm singing praises because I got the victory. I'm not going to allow you to rain on my parade. I'm not going to allow you to kill my joy, nor my peace. All of these things must happen, but I'm, it's helping me to put on Christ. I'm strengthened in this. Now, you could have caused a lot of confusion and a lot of fight by continuing in that, but you have to know when to leave some things alone. Have to walk away. So this king says, bound him hand and feet and cast him into out of darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, I'm, I'm trying, I hope not to... 
manage my children's life or whatever. But as they didn't grow older and I placed them into the Lord's hand, we have to allow the Lord to bring about what he's going to bring about. And we have to rejoice in that. God has given me different things to enjoy. And until I seek the Lord and his happiness and to be content with such that I have, that it's not a material prosperity, a material success I'm looking for, is to have, my success is to have the Lord. That's my happiness and my joy. See, he couldn't give me peace without having a fancy car. The guy that was, he's there doing my yard this morning, the one that do the churchyard or whatever. He's back or whatever. And I'm glad that God is showing me he's to provide for all of our needs. Somewhere or another, we're going to get this together. And I've gotten the air conditioned to take care of. It's nice and cool in here or whatever. We didn't put on a cake bait. We didn't sell a lot of chickens or whatever. We didn't have all these things or whatever, but it did cost to get that air conditioner repaired. The transformer itself was about $90. Not talking about the labor. So we understand all of those things. But God says, build up the house of God and that we have to get ready and all in the thing of getting ready, the bride in putting on those garments, she have to lose a little weight, but she have to arise from the dust. Let's let's go a little bit further. It says, arise and sit down. Loose thyself. Uh, loose thyself from this. Let me get back to this. It says, shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. That sounds two things in one sentence. The first one says, shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter. Let me see if I break that down this way. In other words, as I was saying, I had to pull off what's on television, the football games, all of the soap operas, all of the sitcoms, the movies and everything. You have to rise up because all of those things keep you in bondage and you're not redeeming the time. You have to loose yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you can't come in and watch an hour or two of television or do this, or, you know, have any time because the flesh has, that's part of the thing Jesus told his disciples to come apart and rest a while. So we have to have rest. But in redeeming the time, we have to loose ourselves from the things of the world that binds us and ties us. Let let me give you a little example. My wife loves watermelon. I love watermelon. It's a summer treat or whatever. The lady that we normally get them from, she hadn't been having them here lately or whatever. I seen some at the store the other day that didn't look as sweet or whatever. But I didn't buy it. I didn't buy any or whatever. And it's just like with food and different things. Some things I see, but I don't have to have it. 
being a diabetic, you understand what I mean. Some things you can have, but you don't have to. You're not bound by that. Some people have to watch television. They have to eat. They have to do these other things. But you want to loose yourself from them. In other words, as Paul says, using the world, but not abusing the world. But a carnal Christian, uh, someone that's carnal, and those people that help you bind you, they will try to show you the physical side of this, why you should enjoy yourself and indulge and not deny yourself. Yes. But as the, Christ tells us sometimes, we have to deny ourselves just for the sake of denying ourselves. Yes. It's called self-restraint a self-control that nothing in the world binds you or ties you. That's why Abraham had to go through the motion of, of sacrificing Isaac, in other words, to deny himself of his only son to prove to God that he would do it. God didn't allow him to do it, but Abraham had to do this. So what we have to do when God says to pull off the old men, this is some things that we have to do. Now, it's going to be some that do that. But that, those are the ones that the Spirit is working in and that they're talking to God and praying to God, but those are the ones that stands apart from the crowd, that's sanctified, that's set apart for God's use, that those are the ones that are chosen, but there'll be many a call. There's going to be a many a religious person, many a preacher and teacher that's going to tell you, well, don't take all that. You don't have to be holy and do all that. You don't have to sacrifice that. And I've gotten that from family members. I've gotten that from friends on the, you know, on the job. I've gotten that from people I'm around that it don't take all that. But you have to be able to be one that's set apart to be able to hold your own road. Because like I say. You have to be in a relationship with God, and that means you have to hate mother, father, sister, brother, and even your own self yes. to pick up your cross and follow after him. He's going to make things right. So when he says, loose thyself, he said, For thus saith the Lord, you have sold yourself for nothing, and you shall be, be redeemed without money. You didn't get anything out of this. Didn't nobody pay you to do these things. You did it for nothing. But now God is not giving anything in return. And that you're able to take your time and get dressed in the Lord. He's making it so that he has given you power to put him on. To come unto him. It's works of faith. Having faith to leave. Those that left Babylon to figure to live put on those garments, the world and the people around you, as it says, misery loves company. But the bride has to wash herself in the blood of the Lamb. We have to wash ourselves in the blood. These are the ones in the book of Revelation, it says, who had made themselves ready. To make yourself ready, in other words, to get up, you have to force yourself to get up in the morning. A lot of us don't like to get up in the morning, but we know if we cut that stools off, if we cut the clock off and get on up, the body is going to want to lay there. But we are built in such a way that the inner man is going to be rejoicing and singing. Yes. Revelations 19 and 8 says, 
the fine linen, the bright and clean, was given her to wear. The fine linen stands for the righteousness of Christ. And we know we are to grow in righteousness. And to grow in righteousness, we must be a doer of the word. To be a doer of the word. In in concluding those things of putting on Christ. Because it says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. You heard that? Had made herself ready. And you remember I told you this is about self. This is about you making the decisions. You know, sometimes people want others to help them make a decision. I guess that comes in so that they could have somebody to blame it on when it goes wrong. Well, you told me this or you said this. That's why Paul says, let a man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Joseph's brothers was a good example of this. You notice that they kept talking within themselves of what they was doing to Joseph uh, against Joseph. But Reuben has says, well, let us not kill the lad. Let us dig a hole and let us put him in this pit. But see, when you equivocate, you're not able to please the crowd and you're not pleasing God because you're not fully committed by faith to him. So in the physical, it's always that one that wants to do good, but the good of is of himself so that he can say, well, I told him this and this is what I done. That's because he's going to want a glory and he still wants self with the pride. But he's not going to stand up and say, God says this and trusting and depending on the word of God. Are you being led by the spirit of God? See, that's what I say. When you start saying and doing these things, that's because you meditating on God's word and you looking unto God to tell you what to do in that situation. You looking for an answer from God, and the only way you could get that answer is from His Word, and you be meditated in His Word and heard His Word. So whenever they tell you these things, you're not pulling from self. You're not the source. God is your source. But how can God be your source and you not continuing in His Word and meditating in his word. You getting something that you saw on TV, something that someone told you, and not what the Spirit is leading and guiding you, because they that are the sons of God, they are the led by the Spirit. So when the king comes in, the king's gonna look at us and he's gonna give us more. We have to increase in virtue and in stature, but to put on thine strength, to pull on these gobs, you need, how can I say this? You need to do what someone, the knowledge of God, let, let me give you an example of this, because I'm kind of closing this, I'm kind of bottling it up too much. I know someone that had a, a deficiency here in a certain thing. But if you get some vitamin D or some sunshine, if you're out in the sun, 
wouldn't you stop having to take a supplement? Wouldn't your body start doing what it does naturally? It's from, but it took some being out in the heat. It took some being out in the sun. So the same sun that he rejects, it strengthens. That same God that scolds and burns others, he strengthened. So sometimes man can tell you the way to go, and that's what the preacher does. He connects with your inner man. God connects through the preaching of the word, and through faith, you start doing these things, and these things start to strengthen you. So as you go to the church and as you seeking God and asking God, then that preacher or that person, it's not that that individual is doing it. It's through faith that God has fed you and you being, you assimilating his word. You're growing in God. You're looking to God to lead you. So I'm not saying that you, you you can do this yourself. You have to do it and let God, robe, Jesus, robe you. You, you. I said he imputes his righteousness to us. Yes. So he has to clean us, and to clean us, we have to repent time. But what happens is a justification takes place. He justifies us. He puts us in right standing with God. Yes. So now that we're in right standing with God and he fulfills us, He's infilling us and reconciling us to God. He imputes his righteousness to us. That's the righteousness that we can boldly go before the throne of grace. But there's a, there's a horizontal righteousness that we grow in, and this is the righteousness that we put on. This is what makes us the, the white. The, they have, it says they had made themselves clean. It says... This, this is the fine linen of the saints. Where, where did I get that from again? They had made, the bride had made herself ready. So by taking heed to the word of God and being a doer of the word of God, we grow in righteousness because he's going to tell you that next step to take. That next step to take may be, it may cause you your friends, it may cause you your relatives or whatever, but you growing in grace and in the knowledge and understanding of the word of God. And so it may take you away from home. It may give you a new home. It may give you a new job or whatever. But we have to be steadfast and immovable in the faith. But Joseph was way away from the promised land. He was in Egypt, but he had on the finest of robes. He was married to the priest of Onan. They had given him a wife. He had jewelry. He had rings on. Joseph was a type of Christ. His brothers came and bowed down before him. But that had already been showed Joseph and the brothers. They fought against it. Joseph fought for it. When he was with Potiphar's wife, he could have went with her. He could enjoy the pleasures of having a sexual relationship with her. But the word of God was hid in his heart, and he says, how could I do this and sin against God? He didn't say sin against Potiphar. He said, how could I do this and sin against God? We have to keep our robes white. We have to sometimes flee from sin, flee from the devices of the world, the things of the world. So it's nothing wrong with eating and drinking. 
But it says when the Lord or the master of that servant come and catch you eating and drinking and wasting time, he's going to point you a portion with the hypocrites. Because I've noticed your strength, but you keep your sugar levels right because you might eat a little piece of candy. You might eat a little slice of this, but you never pig out on it. You, you have to say, well, no, I didn't had mine for the day. I didn't had mine for the week or whatever. So, in other words, it's like people drinking. I didn't say drinking was a sin. And the teetotalers would tell us, and the other religions would say these things. But drinking in moderation because he told Timothy to drink a little wine for their often infirmities. Yes, yes. But then someone that's fleshly or carnal they would want that scripture. They would use that. You say there's nothing wrong with drinking. But they're throwing back a Budweiser, a couple of Budweiser's every day. Now see, you using the scriptures as a cloak of liberty, you hiding behind it for the pleasures of the flesh. This is using those things wrong. We have to be skilled in the Word of God. To put on that beautiful raiment, we have to keep a certain weight or we won't be able to fit into those garments. We have to be able to fit into those garments and we have to keep them white because we're here to present the church without a spot of blemish. But the victory walk we're taking, when we're walking triumphal, they're seeing us in white and in our festival garments. When you're seeing that priest all dressed up, you don't know what he didn't been through. As we see Christ sitting on the throne, you don't know what he's been through. But we have to stand by the walls of the church. We have to be endured. But believe me, we're going to wear a crown and we'll be dressed in robes of fine linen and white. We have to put it on. That's a command that we do these things. And we love his commandments. His commandments are not grievous unto us. But you can be as that rebellious and reject it and do it your way. But you're going to be speechless in the end. You're going to be standing there with your mouth wide open because you knew to do the truth and you didn't do it. He is the truth. Put on truth. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this day, Lord God, help us, Lord God, to be robed in your righteousness, Lord God, to walk in your way, to be clothed as the